from Red Bull. This is Beyond the Ordinary. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Ordinary from Red Bull, where we meet the people and discover the events pushing the boundaries of sport, adventure, gaming, culture and more. Jimmy Spittle is one of two helmsmen for the Italian Luna Rossa Prada Pirelli boat, taking on the 2021 America's Cup. It's the oldest trophy in international sport. It predates the modern Olympics. It's like a boxing one-on-one head-to-head matchup. That's what the America's Cup's all about. Pushing the limits of man and machine. A lot of risk, very, very fast boats, and right on the cutting edge of technology. These boats are capable of travelling at three times the speed of the wind that powers them. It really is the F1 on water. Because you're doing up to you know 100 kilometres an hour, you make a mistake and there's going to be a consequence. It really is like a car crash. There's no seatbelts, no airbags. And ahead of the event, we caught up with him to talk about his career. When you win an America's Cup, it's just an unbelievable feeling. And once you've done it, you just want another taste of it. His love affair with sport's oldest contest. From my experience, it's been difficult to find anything that's as tough and rewarding as this game. And to take us inside the team, onto the boat and out onto the water. To show us what it takes to succeed and reveal what keeps him coming back for more. Oh man, it's such an addictive feeling. It's one of the big reasons that keeps dragging guys back into the game. And don't forget you can subscribe to Beyond the Ordinary for free wherever you get your podcasts. Okay boys, going for a takeoff. The simplest way to explain the America's Cup is it's the oldest trophy in international sport. It predates the modern Olympics, predates American Civil Wars, been raced since 1851. So that's something pretty cool to say that you get to race for the oldest trophy in international sport. We've seen a lot of change, you know. I mean, 1851, the boats look quite a lot different than they do now. But it really is the F1 on water. I mean, we've got boats that are doing upwards of 100 kilometres an hour now, obviously powered by the wind, powered by athletes. Short races, 20, 25 minutes, stadium-type courses. So a lot of risk, very, very fast boats, and right on the cutting edge of technology. A little soft out of this, boys. Typically, you're allowed to build two boats. You get what's called essentially a class rule, just like F1 will get the, you know, their car essentially box rule of what you can and can't do. And it's the same for us. The team size of an America's Cup team, well, right now we have 11 guys that race on the actual boat, but our team size is just over 100 people. We design, build, engineer the boat. Typically the boats take around 10 months to build. Carbon fibre, composite construction, I mean, right up there with aerospace. Very, very complex and sophisticated machines. Hydraulics, the electronics, the software that's used. We're taking it right to the limit. So yeah, it really is trying to look under every stone to get some sort of an advantage. Focus on performance here, guys. One in left, nothing to worry about. These boats are extremely physical. They're undermanned. And you're making decisions that are split second. And in the past, you could make mistakes, but it wouldn't lead to a big accident. You know, it's sort of like driving an F1 car around in first gear, difficult to sort of get anything wrong. With these boats, because you're doing up to, you know, 100 kilometres an hour, you make a mistake and there's going to be a consequence. You push these things too far, you're going to flip, likely hurt people, significant damage. So it really is like a car crash. 
There's no seat belts, no airbags, there's nothing in these, these boats, it's all about speed. I mean, even the, let's say the uniform that you're wearing, it's really like you're going to race MotoGP. I mean, you're in a room full impact vest, you've got spare air, knives, helmets, you know, in case you do crash and get trapped under the boat. Full speed on the wind here, trim up all the way. Big trim. Full speed. Get it going here. Full speed. I think the attributes of an America's Cup sailor have changed significantly over the last 10 years. You know, previously, I think people would think of America's Cup sailors back in the 90s and 2000s, not necessarily an athlete. You know, there'd be guys in the boats that didn't play much of a role in terms of the actual operating of the boat, and they just didn't have the athletic ability. Now there's no hiding. Now you really do need all-round capabilities it really is a different breed of athlete, but it's someone that can operate at a very high athletic ability, but still be able to make good decisions when they're under serious pressure and exhaustion. Okay, you get a piece of him here? No, not think so. If anyone's seen, you know, Kai Lenny or, you know, some of these amazing athletes that are foil surfing now or foil kiteboarding, when they crash, it's just bang you're straight into the water at high speeds and hitting the water at that sort of speed is a lot like hitting concrete you know it's a similar with these boats if we do what's called a nosedive or we get it wrong or ruin a maneuver it can be a heavy amount of g's you experience when you go from 50 plus knots to you know stopping quite quickly there is risk and there is a lot more adrenaline there was in the past and there's no question in my mind that that is an attraction you know I've always loved let's say pushing the edge a little bit these boats you have to be pushing the limit if you're not you're going to be slower but because it takes you out of your comfort zone that's also the attraction for a lot of people as well. Looks like good pressure ahead. Yeah. Just want to try and build a little like I've got a lot of mates in the military. I've always been fascinated with, let's say, human performance and decision-making, especially under pressure and stress. And from what I've seen and learned, the worst thing you can probably do is to get stressed out, is to elevate your heart rate and then try and make smart decisions. Just part of our training, as an example, we've done with the Red Bull High Performance Team in the past has been with big wave surfers you know I've jumped in with a squad and we've done uh, you know breath hold training just to, to again put yourself under pressure okay what is the best way to deal with let's say worst case scenario for a surfer or a wipeout held underwater because that's something that can happen to us we can be let's say pinned under the boat if it, it flips over and everything whether it's guys friends who have been in the military in life or death situations other athletes one common thread that seems to shine through is that the ability to try and sort of calm yourself down and to you know, really think things through and make smart decisions is, is critical. And so anything that can help lead to essentially do that, you know, I'm willing to try anything. I've changed my diet, recovery process. I've really sort of tried to leave no stone unturned because the great thing about all the technology we have at our disposal in this world is the ability to learn and to try and you know make yourself better so yeah i've just that's something i've been trying to work on and that's that's something i'll continue to try and and get better at is good decision making 
Jimmy spent a decade racing with Oracle Team USA, winning two America's Cups in that time. This time out, he's the only non-Italian on the Italian boat Luna Rossa Prada Pirelli. You know, I sort of went really out of my comfort zone, to be honest. I went pretty much on my own to a completely new team, living in a place where obviously they're not speaking English and really being immersed in a completely different culture. And that was obviously uncomfortable at, at the beginning, but I've got to say it's just been such a rewarding process because you know, to really learn about yourself and to really grow, you have to go out of that comfort zone. And I've been really fortunate, really lucky to be sort of embraced and accepted as part of this team and to really see how another, let's say, culture operates. I mean, one of the cool things about these, these boats in the America's Cups is that you're heavily undermanned and that because the race course is so tight, you're doing a lot of manoeuvres, you're doing a lot of laps around the race course. So you have to figure out as a team, how are you going to get a good cockpit layout and deck layout for the guys that one is very aerodynamic because it's all about speed, all about performance, but also allows the guys some sort of user-friendly features to perform these manoeuvres while being aerodynamic. So a concept we looked at and went with early on was typically you'd have one helmsman and one flight controller. So the guy steering the boat and then the guy flying the boat on the foil. But when you got to a manoeuvre, both those guys had to swap sides. You know, the helmsman obviously has to run over and swap the other side. Someone has to hold the steering wheel for him while he does that. Also, while he's swapping sides, you're paying quite a big hit in aerodynamic drag. So we looked at the concept of essentially just splitting the boat in two halves. We have essentially two trenches on either side of the boat. And we have all the grinders, the guys that provide the physical power, locked in evenly on both sides of the boat. So four grinders on both sides. And then we locked our two helmsmen in, which, which is myself and Francesco Bruni. And we both lock in with the steering wheel on either side. But so far it's been working pretty well and look, every race we go out there and race, we're improving. You know, where it, it exposes, okay, well what, what do we need to work on? How can we make this even better? But it's, yeah, so far so good and we'll just have to see how it works in the America's Cup because the Kiwis have opted for, let's say, a primary helmsman, a guy that swaps from side to side and a primary flight controller as well who has to swap from side to side. Hey Marco, he's taxed, now by. Three, two, one, four down. Hey, my rudder, my trip. The big challenge, let's say, with the two helmsman role is that when we're not steering the boat, we're flying the boat. And when you're flying the boat, it really is like you have to have the blinkers on. You know, you, you've got tunnel vision and you have to be 100% focused. So. Once you perform the manoeuvre and now you switch roles and you become the helmsman, the challenge there is that you've got to now switch gears instantly into you're now running the race, you're now essentially leading the boat here and you've got to start making decisions while you're doing high speeds and in a head-to-head -head battle on a tight course. I think we're hitting one more time. So that's, that's something that's taken us time to, to develop. And just from a personal point of view, really cool because it's, it's so challenging, you know, it's so difficult to do it 100% right and each day you're just trying to get better and better at, at what you do in both roles. When you sail these boats 
not no single person's in control. Everyone's playing and doing their role, and you need every single person in that role forming it to make this boat get around the racetrack. You need everyone. If one person's off, it'll affect everyone else, and it's not going to work. Let's dig into this a bit more. Preparing for attack on one of these boats, the guy driving the boat will pretty much say to the team, OK, stand by. Stand by. Three, two, one, we'll take this. It means everyone get ready. Guys have to engage certain hydraulic functions. The helmsman at the time has to put his foil to the correct angle of attack before he drops it. He has to also put his feet in the right position, ready to hit a, a foot button to drop the board, the foil. And the lured helmsman at the time is flying the boat, but he now has to put his hand and sort of ghost his hand on the steering wheel. He needs to put his feet in a different position, ready to lift the board after he turns the boat into the tack and essentially take over. There's a lot of coordination and that's just one manoeuvre. And again, it just building that sort of muscle memory, building that communication, it, that's why it does take just hours on the water and hours on the land, just reviewing and trying to get that as perfect as you can. Uh, my rudder, my trap. Well, away from sailing, I really enjoy competing and pushing myself, you know, having fun. I do a lot of stand-up paddleboard racing, a lot of boxing. What does boxing have to do with sailing? Well, quite a lot, actually, with these boats. Well, you're into a head-to-head battle on the water. But the other thing is that you get taken to exhaustion and you need to make decisions. If you get decisions wrong, if you aren't able to sort of change your plan quite quickly, there's going to be some serious consequences. Well, the same happens in boxing. It's funny how different sports, different activities, there's a lot of ways you can actually take quite a bit from it. And I think just the fact of getting outside the box you're operating in. I mean, we spend more time in this campaign, in this space, than we spend with our own families. We spend way more time with our teammates and family members. So sometimes you just need to get out, you know, to clear your mind. You need to sort of break yourself away do something, go foil boarding, flying, um, put some work in in the ring, whatever it is. And that's a lot of the time I find where you generate ideas or concepts for the America's Cup or for the, you know, for the campaign is actually when you step away and you're involved in a different activity that somehow relates to what you're doing. Spitzel first fell in love with sailing whilst growing up in a small town north of Sydney, Australia. Pitwater is almost entirely surrounded by water with no access by road and only reachable by boat. So sailing became an everyday necessity for the young Jimmy. Well, I think you really are a product of your environment. And so for me, if you look at, let's say, some of the best surfers in the world, a lot of that will be down to where they grew up. I feel like my upbringing, we were in the bush, but based on the water and the only way to get anywhere was by boat so had to go to school by boat had to get to the mainland by boat whatever the fact was you were just spending every single day of your life hours on the water looking at the water understanding the weather that's a big part you know you just you can't shortcut those sort of hours and if it wasn't for that sort of an upbringing clearly I don't think I'd be involved in the game or or in the sport today that began let's say a real 
sort of fascination and addiction to, let's say, windsurfing, sailing, just getting out there and really starting to spend some time in the water. And after a brief period of time, it then led to competition. You know, at the beginning, it was all about just sort of doing it for fun. But not long after, once we started competing, then I got the bug for high-level competition and, and really trying out there and try and win races. That love of racing began age 10 when Jimmy won his first sailing regatta with his eight-year-old sister as her crew. His America's Cup debut came aged just 20 when he became the youngest helmsman in the race's history. Ten years later, Jimmy broke another record as the youngest ever winner of the America's Cup. But it's for the race in 2013 that he's perhaps best remembered for so far, achieving the seemingly impossible. Jimmy led one of the greatest comebacks ever seen in sport when his Oracle Team USA came from behind to be Emirates Team New Zealand and claim his second America's Cup victory. The Stars and Stripes say it all. The comeback of 2013 is complete. America's Cup will stay in America. Yeah, well, the 2013 America's Cup was raced in San Francisco. We were the defender, we were straight in the America's Cup final and we came up against Team New Zealand. We started off probably in the worst way you could start off. I mean, we pretty quickly found ourselves at match point in a series that was first to nine wins. We found ourselves over after a week of racing at eight one down. And that's typically what I love about sport, is that you get to see people's true colours, not, not when you're winning, and not thing, when things are going well or you know, you're having a whole lot of success, but typically when either you've suffered tough defeats, you've made a big mistake, or things aren't going to plan, then you usually see the guys you want to be surrounded with. And it's just one of those amazing sort of stories that we see in sport so often, and in life, that it's you know it's never over it doesn't you know it doesn't matter how tough the obstacle or how big a challenge it may be it's not over till it's over and it was yeah one of the probably one of the most rewarding experiences I've been through where you really learn a lot about yourself but you especially learn about the people around you. Nice work mate good one brother. And so on to 2021 and Jimmy's latest challenge what is it that keeps him coming back for more? Well, the America's Cup really, I think I've got to say, has become a real addiction for me. You know, I love team sports. I love working with a group of people. I've always found that the, the most rewarding things are, are always the most challenging things and that really push you and test you. And the America's Cup just seems to do all of that, especially now, you know, over these past sort of 10, 12 years with the huge change in, in terms of the boats that we're sailing. You know, when you win an America's Cup, it's just an unbelievable feeling. And once you've done it, you just want another taste of it. You know, it's to, it's so difficult to get it right. But when you do, it's just one of those things that's very difficult to put into words. And obviously, it it you know, drags you back into it again because it's, oh, from my experience, it's been difficult to find anything that's as tough and rewarding as this game. For race one of the America's Cup, you line up and you're just about to hit that pre-start period. What an unbelievable feeling. I mean, you know, it's a real mix of emotions. There's anxiety, a bit of nervousness, but the biggest one is probably just excitement and adrenaline. It's very difficult to explain what that feeling is, you know, just with those minutes leading into sort of entering that starting box and engaging in the other boat. 
but oh man, it's it's such an addictive feeling. That's one of the big reasons that keeps sort of dragging guys back into the game is that it's so hard to find that feeling in, in anything else that I've experienced anyway. Nice one, boys. Come on. Time to high five. To be able to go against Team New Zealand on their home waters in New Zealand is, man, it's a lot like a rugby player getting to play, let's say, the All Blacks in a Rugby World Cup final at Eden Park here in New Zealand. I mean, as a competitor, it just does not get any better than that. You know, what a privilege to be able to go out against the world's best team in their own home waters. Man, that's that's what it's all about. Clearly, it makes you an underdog, but it also makes it, you know, something that's worth fighting for. I mean, if, if it was easy, it just wouldn't be worth doing. Come on, boys, let's spin up and uh, get these sails down so we can head in for a bit. That's it for now on Beyond the Ordinary. But there's plenty more where this came from, so hit subscribe so you get the next episode as soon as it drops. If you've enjoyed listening, remember to share the pod with a friend or on your socials, as well as leaving us a review so more people can find us. And don't forget to check out redbull.com for more articles, interviews and video features on Jimmy and the America's Cup. Thanks for listening, take care, and we'll catch you next time.